project resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Please make sure to reference Medical Coding Geek when you place your order. Looking for a convenient, cost-effective solution for interventional radiology coding training? Check out Cracking the IR Code, Mastering Interventional Radiology and Cardiology Coding Online Education. Created by interventional radiology coding expert Stacy Buck of RadRx. This comprehensive online training offers access to content for one year, Q&A support available during your one-year enrollment period, hundreds of coding scenarios, and actual operative reports. What are you waiting for? It's time to earn that specialty credential. Go to RadRx for additional testimonials and information, and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. Again, go to RadRx and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. You are listening. You are listening. You're listening to Do Not to Not Elsewhere. Not Elsewhere. Elsewhere. Elsewhere Classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. Alright everybody, welcome to the Not Elsewhere Classified podcast. Today in the podcast we are continuing our conversation with Kenja Sabri. Uh, if this is your first time listening or watching this podcast, welcome. You can check out our podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of the podcasting platforms, but also check out our podcast on YouTube. We have just recently reached and surpassed 100 subscribers. So uh, thank you to those that have subscribed to this channel. Make sure you hit that notification bell so that way you get notified for future guests. So in part two of this conversation, uh, we talk about Kenja's journey into obtaining a doctorate's degree and how it intertwined with what she was doing as the academic chair for health information technology at St. Petersburg College in Florida. It was very interesting because most guests that I have uh, have master's degrees and they've explained the process that entails with obtaining a master's, but I was very much interested in in what was involved in the doctorate's uh, degree and the program and all of that stuff that, that she had to do, but it was very interesting and she did learn a lot. So without further ado, here is part two of my interview with Dr. Ken Jessabri. Enjoy. To, to well, right away. Really? <laughs> right away. So I don't feel like I needed it. I, mm. I don't feel like that at all. Um, so I started in my role as academic chair in 2016. Mm. Um, but at that point, I was surrounded by so many doctors. Mm. <laughs> I felt like the low man on the totem pole, right? So not only that, let's be honest, um, going into education, you don't make a whole lot of money, right? 
so being a doctor paid more. So I'm just like, okay, so I came from a corporate job. I'm going to be totally honest. At that point, I was making $98,000 a year. So transitioning into education, I took a big pay cut. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, you know, yes, it was for job security. Yes, it was because it was something that I loved, but I need to think, and I'm so thankful that me and my family, we didn't feel that pay cut as much as I thought we would, Mm -hmm. you know, but pursuing that higher education allowed me to close that gap, even if it were just a little bit. So that's what made me pursue. Um, So it took me about a year. I started pursuing um, my doctorate degree in 2017 and I finished in 2020. Wow. 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 Yeah. So what was that like? (laughs) I'm asking because I I am blown away by people who who get their master's just just that in itself. And I, I looked at the the um the masters of health informatics at Florida international university Mm -hmm. and the video, and you could see in my face, I'm like, wow, that's a, that's a lot of stuff, you know, 11 courses capstone. And I think Mm -hmm. some type of, um, uh, kind of an externship, whatever, and or internship opportunity. Right. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's a lot of work, 11 months. But then just looking at the courses and the complexity, just looking at them, I'm like, I know what it takes to get into that class. Uh, or what we, what is to ex- be expected when you see the title of the course? Like, w- what is that you have to deal with? And I, I was, at the time that I looked at it, because I kept on getting it in my my Facebook feed, right? <laughs> you know, I kept on getting it. I'm like, okay, let me just do this with this video <laughs> and, and let me see what it looks like and kind of get a reaction. And I cringed. I'm like, that's a lot of work. So I can imagine a master's Maybe. program being a lot of work. And I know for if Marlene is listening, she has multi, like, I think two master's degrees. I'm like, my gosh, how, how could you handle oh, that? Oh, my goodness. You know, and how does so my question for you then is how does the because i have no idea i understand what a master's degree is but i can't even imagine what a doctorate degree uh would entail compared to a master's could you explain that it's a lot and it really depends it depends on so i earned an edd which we consider it's called like a professional doctorate degree versus a PhD. The Mm. PhD is more research focused. That's the doctor of philosophy. And I've talked with people who spent six to seven years in a PhD program. I knew I didn't have it in me. Mm. I just knew there was just no way after earning a master's that I can go back and spend that much time. So I started looking at the EDD programs, which were about half the time, Mm -hmm. right? So about three to four years, I said, I think I got that much in me. I do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, The courses were, I mean, they were a lot of courses. You know, I was very thankful that, you know, I got three week breaks in between. You know, um, that helped. But then, you know, very similar to the dissertation, you have, you still have that capstone project, you still have to conduct research. Um, But again, you know, I, I believe in divine timing, I really do. And I had a dean at the time who asked me, she said, how in the world are you going to be able to complete this degree 
when you're managing a program, she said, and you have a lot to manage in that program. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have almost 300 students. Wow. Um, so we are an AS um, program, AS and HIT, but we also have the medical coding certification. And then we have the healthcare informatics certification. So she's just like, your hands are full. So she said, you need to figure out a way to make your research about your work. Right. That was That's the right. best advice. Mm-hmm. The best advice. And I didn't understand at the time. I was like, what does she mean? You know, so as I'm going through the courses, I still didn't put those pieces together just yet. It, it took about a year into the program. Really? When they wow. when wow. they told us our options. So your options were was like um a program evaluation. I mean, they had a couple different things that you could have done. And I was just like, I can evaluate my program. <laughs> do that like this is something that I do every day and you never sometimes when you are on the job you don't really have the time to dig into the data the way that you want to and draw these conclusions so I said this was perfect Mm -hmm. but then not only that so about six months later I got a letter from Kahim and we were undergoing accreditation oh wow and I almost lost I said, how am I going to manage this program? I'm going to finish my classes and then go through accreditation. And they gave me a year notice, right? Mm -hmm, A mm -hmm, year notice. mm -hmm. I didn't think that far. I didn't think of where I would be in my program a year from now. So as I was finishing the research, I mean, I was neck and neck with accreditation. Mm -hmm. And all of my research were questions that they were going to ask data that they were going to need. Amazing. So I'm telling you, you cannot make this stuff up. It (laughs) worked out perfectly. And I I got my degree um, about two weeks before my site visit, about two weeks before my site visit. I mean, it was that close. It was that close. It was fantastic. But that's how I was able to do it. So yes, the courses were intense, but I had one goal in this degree program. So outside of evaluating my program, of course, I really wanted to focus on becoming a better writer. That was my goal throughout this whole Mm -hmm. program. I knew I had challenges in terms of writing. I knew that even throughout my multiple degrees, that's where I struggled the most. Um, So I immersed myself in learning APA and really understanding research. Um, And that part I just fell in love with. I did. So Mm. though it was intense, I think when you like and appreciate the work that you're doing, Um, it gives you a form of relief. You know, it doesn't feel so hard. It doesn't feel so bad. And the three years just flew by to me. Yeah. Amazing. What it, what it sounds like is, is just full integration, right? You, (laughs) you know, when you look at, (laughs) when you look at your doctorate's uh, education, right. And you're, you're looking at it. I think, I think for most people who just like me, um, when I take on something big and, 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 uh, like a challenge or another task, we tend to kind of like, you know, separate, this has to be here. This has to we be do. here. For example, uh, let's say, for example, also this YouTube channel, I, I, 
Um, I learned a lot of integration, right? So in terms of workflows in, in all of this. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, how can I make all of this fit with a full-time job, with a weekly podcast right. and stuff like that? And so I, I learned the same mm-hmm. way, the same way you did when you realize yeah. like, you know, when you realize like, okay, I am, you are in a part of a, uh, you already have your HIT program. I can't believe 300 students. That's a lot of students. Wow. I, I mean, that's amazing. Um, and then, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, you know, trying to implement, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're in doctorates, you have your program, you integrate it, you integrate the workflows, you take, you already have the data, you have the work set that you have a source of some things, you know, that you can write off of to, to integrate it in your assignment. And, and when I look at it this way here, it's the same way. It's again, transferable skills, transferable. You got to transfer a lot of times and, and, and kind of <laughs> interlock, you know, interlock a lot of things to, to make the workflow work for you. Um, so for, in this That's case right. here, it's like, I'm trying to create a workflow of just content. How can I make the content in a mm-hmm. timely manner? Cause now, you know, I have a son who does football and I go to his football games on Saturday. I'm limited to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday being my editing schedule, you know, and how can I make all of that work and trying to integrate a YouTube channel? It's, it's a lot of work. And I, so I, I can, I can get a it sense is. of, and um, you do a lot. It is a lot. And I'm like, I, I don't realize how much I do, but then, but then again, my thing is, mm-hmm. let's say I drop the podcast. I drop the YouTube channel. I'm going to go crazy just doing a full-time job. I'm, See, I'm, you know, like, right. I'm like, wait, what do I do? What am I going to do now? Like my kids are, are self to do, you know, like they, they're in the rooms they're doing their homework. They're doing this. And I'm just, you know, my wife is at work. What am I going to do? Am I just going to sit here and twiddle my yeah. thumbs and watch Netflix? No, I'm going to do something <laughs> and, and make something, something meaningful, so something productive. You're giving back to your um, profession. It's fantastic. That's right. That's right. And so that's the, that's the only thing that I can find myself doing other than, I don't know, could I be running? Could I be exercising? But I think I find more, <laughs> um, more satisfaction just creating right. these things. Mm-hmm. Right. And so another thing that you, you mentioned was the writing and I, and I'm, I'm glad uh, you mentioned that it's like, that's something that I want to do more of. Right. And so okay. doing the mm-hmm. podcasting, became like a an excuse for me not to write articles right but i think there is power in articles powers in writing in papers and stuff like that uh i would like to at some point and i'm you're probably thinking about it yourself writing a textbook writing a book uh so that way no 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 i thought about that like five years ago really five years ago and i was just like move on just move on really? i don't know i don't know maybe i'll circle back yeah because mm-hmm. i was it's thinking a lot a lot goes into it so I, I i've talked to a couple people who've written books and um mm-hmm. i mean I, I the way i look at it and i've mentioned this a lot like i could take like say for example this this podcast episode i could take some content from there and make it its own section you know I could have a section of people pursuing their masters. You yourself would be a section on obtaining your, your degree. So we'd have to go back to you and kind of talk about stuff and kind of get some information and make that a section. And so with me having a portfolio, I think that's the key is, 
is when you have a portfolio to draw from, you can create a book. So I'm sure, do you have a portfolio of the things that you've written when you were in your master's and your doctorates that you can pull from to make a book? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) But you don't want to make a book. (laughs) And I find myself, so, no. So when I was in, um, some, I, I find myself going back to those writings sometimes. Mm. Um, there's something about me I don't like to, if I'm thinking of a topic or if I'm working on something and I know that I've worked on it before and I had some really great thoughts, I don't like to start over. I want to go back and see what my, how my old thinking was. Yeah. And kind of refresh that material or see how my thought process has changed since then. So I love reflecting on some of my older writings. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I think that's that in itself is already content in itself. Like you, you go it back to years ago and like, like so for example, I want to do um, a video on a LinkedIn article that I did back in 2015. Right. And so it's an article. Yeah. So like you, I, it becomes its own content where I refer to that article. I talk about it. This is what I was thinking back then. Let's see what my thinking is now and how it transferred from the previous from 2015 up until now. So that's a lot of content from there. Um, Let's move into another topic, right? So let's get into you. So we've talked about your, your academia, you're still currently the academic chair in St. Petersburg College. You got your doctorate's degree, right? You have your master's degree, of course. Uh, and now let's talk about the qualified, uh, which you mo- you recently started hey. what this year, right? So let's talk about that. How did you? How did <laughs> this you? Year, early this year. Get, yeah. How did you get into starting the qualified? So the qualified is a concept that I've thought about for many years and it just, I didn't necessarily want to create it myself. Mm. I was hoping that somebody else would create it. And um, I pitched the idea a couple different times. People were like, oh, great idea. But nobody really bought in the way that I was hoping, Mm. you know, or nobody decided to take it and run with it. So um, the needs still exist. Right. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to do it myself. Mm -hmm. And that's how this came about. So what is it exactly? Uh, Could you explain what it entails? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So the qualified is an educational support service made up of HIM professionals. And we have several goals. I'm going to say four main goals, but there's four aspects to the company. One is to help HIM professionals become qualified by earning their certifications. Mm -hmm. So we offer or workshops and boot camps and tutoring for various HIM certifications. Um, we help them maintain their certifications by offering affordable CEUs. Mm-hmm. And then we help them, if they need to, find their place in the industry. Um, so we offer search and recruitment services. Um, we promote opportunities um, just to bring awareness to the profession, but also to help employers find qualified employees, you know, to help them find that right fit, you know, just take away all that pressure of interviewing and finding candidates and things like that. Um, and then lastly, as I mentioned to you earlier, the qualified to lead, which is the, um, it's going to be a leadership academy, 
um, to help individuals become leaders in HIM. Nice, nice, nice. Now, does it does it necessarily? Because here's when I hear the qualified, right? It's the same thing. Like, for example, um, just just something to think about. Uh, like, for example, I started this podcast, not also classified, and uh, it was geared <laughs> toward um, you know medical coders, health information management, CDI. And four years later, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, okay, I'm interviewing the same people, you know, in and out, in and out. And now I'm beginning to think about expanding my, my guest base to more healthcare, right? Uh, And eventually down the line, kind of move from healthcare and include information technology. And, you know, you see where where the audience kind of grows out from there. Is there is that something that right, the qualified right. would include? Because you mentioned the the leadership aspect, the leadership academy. Can that transfer? Mm-hmm. Uh, can that be transferable skills from HIM to anybody that's outside of HIM? Absolutely, absolutely, and I would love to. So um, I'm I'm curious to see how this grows. Right. Because uh, some of the people that I work with, they also have other credentials, mm-hmm. you know, just in healthcare in general. I mean, uh, Noelle Dell Brown, you know, she's a oh, re- registered, yeah, <laughs> registered medical awesome. assistant, you know. So there's people who are saying, hey, do you prep for that? You know, a s- surgical tech, do you prep for that? Um, so I'm thinking eventually. I can see us getting there. Um, and also the Leadership Academy. I've, I always wanted to, to teach about becoming a leader in HIM, but I think that one too was my husband because my husband, these are things that people should know, or these are like leadership concepts that um, can be across the board. You know, it doesn't necessarily... Um, have to just be HIM or healthcare. Right. You know, these are con- you know just traits that's transferable. The Haugen Consulting Group offers healthcare consulting, education, and auditing services, utilizing a team of industry experts specializing in leadership, project management, and assessments for HIM and patient access. Their auditors and educators are experts in facility and professional fee coding and offer education for ICD-10-CM, PCS, CPT, HIM, patient access, and revenue cycle. The Haugen Consulting Group is thrilled to be a partner with MedicalCodingGeek.com and the Not Also Classified podcast. Go to thehaugengroup.com slash shop and use promo code GEEK15 at checkout to receive a discount on webinars and desk aids. Again, go to thehaugengroup, H-A-U-G-E-N group.com slash shop and use our promo code GEEK, G-E-E-K-1-5 at checkout. Do you have a hard time landing your first medical coding position or keep hitting the wall of every position that requires at least three years of hands-on coding experience? If you are credentialed but still have a hard time getting hired, the Renowned Talent one-on-one coaching program is perfect for you. You will work closely with Bertram Lansico on your resume, social media presence, interview training, and access to companies who hire entry-level talent. 
Bonuses include resume templates, relevant resume keywords, and encoder access. Please visit RenownTalent.com and tell them you heard about this coaching program through the NEC podcast. Again, please visit RenownTalent, R-E-N-O-W-N, Talent.com, and tell them you heard about this coaching program through the NEC podcast. I, I, I like the leadership aspect. I don't know if you ever talked to, um, is it Jim? No, yes, Jim Zellum. I don't want to say John Zellum because no. he's a doctor. But there's Jim Zellum who who I, um, his brother John interviewed had me interview Jim Zellum on leadership, and he has okay. a book. Uh, I don't know if you want to have him or be on his podcast to kind of like talk about leadership because he has his own book. Um, and it kind of opened my eyes a bit on leadership, you know, uh, just the idea of leadership versus management, um, just just a w- different way of thinking of how, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with people. It's not you don't necessarily need to have a official title in a job to be a leader. As long as you have one person that's following you or looking up to you, you're considered a leader. And so the the. That's right. The interactions right. of what you do as a leader with the people who follow you, that's where you develop those leadership skills. And the thing is, is that with the the classes that I showed in, you know, like, for example, the, the HIT program, the RHIT program, uh, I think it's like supervisory and management and stuff like that. You know, I remember that course and it's, yeah. it, it mm-hmm. wasn't so much leadership. I know you're limited on a certain amount of time and there's not, there's not much to grab and turn. Like you can't walk away and say, I'm a leader after that class. You learn how not. to um, deal with people, how to handle certain situations, how to escalate it up to your corporate ladder, whatever it may be in HR, but that's about it. You know, in terms right. of your own personal leadership style, you will not get. Uh, and that's why I tell people, because here's the thing with the test, with the, with the, and you could probably talk about this too. The test, there are, there's a section on leadership, right? Yes. Right. I think it's RHIE too. It has leadership. Even the CDIP. It is. Yes. Domain five. Yeah. Yeah. Leadership. And so I'm like, where can you find sources on that? And some of the questions that you get, and I've gotten the mock exam, I've gotten the study guide, and, I, and I'm like, okay, leadership, mm-hmm. okay? And they give me these questions. And I'm like, where can I find information on that? And in no, most cases, I will not find it in the study guide. I will not find it in any mock exam or whatever it may be. I always have you to won't. research out. You won't. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, a couple of my recommendations would be, so um, we had a class that was designed in the way that you mentioned. It was called uh, a supervisory and management. And, and we use this book that was not even about healthcare. Mm. You know, it wasn't even about HIM. Mm. So recently we decided to toss that book and really focus on management in HIM. Mm -hmm. So Ahima Press does publish a book, um, Management for the Health Information Professional, I believe is the title. Um, That's a good one. That's a a really good book. 
Um, and then also the Nanette sales book for if you're RHIT, you know, health information technology and applied approach mm-hmm. has a couple chapters in there on leadership, which um, I refer back to um, a lot um, because I think that's where some of those test questions um, are coming from or some of the concepts. They have very similar concepts from those two books. Mm-hmm. So um, those are really good resources. Yeah, the, for HIV professionals. Yeah, even even with those resources, it's just like okay, I think you need more. You need you, more you do. aside you from those do. chapters, right? It's like you have to go beyond. Go go watch a TED talk. Go watch a YouTube video. Watch get another yes. resource applicable to those chapters, yes. so that way it can enrich what the what the chapters are providing you because because when you ask that question you're only given a very basic understanding of it but if you have a full enriched understanding of what the question is asking you well then that question is going to be easy because i see it a lot when you especially the groups the the rhit and the rhia exam support group either it is Domain one, which is, I don't know if it's changed, but I know it has to deal with data, data analysis, data collection, and all of that data sets. That's mm-hmm. one of the big ones that are, that yeah. struggles with a lot of students. And then leadership is the next one. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, now that's the information governance chapter. Yeah. But yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right, though, because even at the college, um, our lowest scores were domain one and domain Mm. six, right? The leadership. And that's because, and what I learned recently, I revitalized our leadership course, but you need to have leadership interwoven. Where were you? You were talking about, um, you were talking about the leadership domain and you were doing something. Yes. Oh, so the leadership, I was saying that I see that also in our test scores, that domain one and six are the lowest domain. Mm -hmm. And I said, I truly believe that leadership should be interwoven through the curriculum. Mm, Yes. Um, You know, so uh, because of one class, I just feel like is not enough. It's just not enough. And you're right. I revitalized the course. And you know what? I pulled, I pulled some TED Talks. I pulled some, you know, a couple different things um, with hopes of um, igniting that leadership fire, you know? So even though, you know, there's but so much I can teach you in this one class, but I want to excite you enough that you explore leadership outside of the classroom. Yeah, that's right? right. That's right. right. So that's that's right. Happened. Yeah, that's that's right. Um, yeah, that, that, I was like, well, how can you do that? And I, I was thinking of the of the um, the 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 internships you guys provide, like practicums and stuff like we that. Do. And so mm-hmm. I think what what would also help is, you know, with the with the questions, at least from my understanding, when when they ask me questions, um, they should have some formal leadership, like preset leadership questions. Or I think what a good one was, um, the last one that I did is let the student come up with their own questions uh, on leadership. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. because I think if it comes, because you you can only get leadership, you can only obtain leadership from content uh, so much, right? But I think Mm -hmm. leadership has to be developed with from within. Right. And right. when you ask your questions, because leadership style is you, you can't impose a leadership style on somebody. You have to 
develop it on your own. I think by asking their own questions on leadership, let them let them struggle a bit. <laughs> you know, that's yeah, what I would absolutely, do. absolutely, you know, absolutely. That's let a great bre- idea. Let them brew that type of thought process because eventually that brewing and that type of you know putting them in on that spot is gonna feel the same way when they become a director for the first time. Um, you have to make them uncomfortable a lot because that's that's right. that's, that's, that's right. what's gonna happen. That's what's going to happen. And that didn't have the uncomfortable, um, those uncomfortable feelings didn't happen to me um, during my bachelor's program. Like I didn't feel uncomfortable. I was just kind of like riding through, finishing the courses, getting my A's and B's and whatever. If I'm done, I'm done, you know, but it's like, I think what I got, what I did most of uh, in terms of the leadership and the networking was uh, being thrown into, do you have a student association? So I had a student association where I was and they said, you, Brian, can you be president? I'm like, uh, you know, I was alone, like one of, one of two. No, I was the only guy. Oh, see, of <laughs> the, course, of course. Program, like of you, course. you be president, you be president. I'm like, okay. And so um, when you're thrown into you know, that type of situation, what do you do? How do you handle a student association? It's going to translate well as, you know, when you move into uh, a department. So putting them into situations while they're in school, outside that's of right. the school, I think will will help them. I think that's what helped me because before mm-hmm. I even got into the HIM program, I was already a president of an of a Asian student union at Florida International University. And okay. I was doing a lot of stuff that I was just being thrown into and it translated so well when I went into HIM. And then when they asked yeah. me, will you be president? I'm like, okay, I was president before. Let's just do it again and kind of That's start right. the process That's again. Right. Get right. to SGA, you know, register the group, you know, do these types of events, plan out your events, get professionals to these events, network with all these professionals. Those are things that you don't do on in the classroom. So tell me, at the time, were you on campus? Yes. Okay. That's see to me, I saw the difference when teaching for an on-campus program versus an online program. Mm -hmm. Because an online program, it's hard to get students to volunteer for anything. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like who wants to be on SGA or who wants to, you know, uh, president of the association, and it's like crickets. You know, so it's like you literally have to go into those classrooms to see who exhibits those skills and approach them individually. Yeah, yeah. Um, but those are really great points. And you're right. Let the students come up with their own questions and feel around a little bit. Yeah. You have to put them in, in those situations. You really have right. to. Because if, they're not going to put themselves exactly. in those situations. Otherwise, you're just going to hear crickets. And so mm-hmm. if they if they graduate, and I'm talking to your program, if they're listening to this, <laughs> if they're listening to this podcast, I mean, if, if we're hearing crickets, if if I was part of the program, I would make you so uncomfortable. And that's what I do <laughs> with a lot of students that come to me. Cause here's the thing, right? So they, you know, students would come to me and say, okay, I have uh, 15 questions. Can you answer them for me? Right. They go like here, 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 here it is. Can you answer it? I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm not, gonna, can I just email it to you? And then you send it back nope. to me. I said, no. where's the interaction in that? Where's the interaction right. in that? And I said, look, right. I'm going to make you uncomfortable. I told you, I told the the first one, um, what's her name? Norma. I said, I'm going to make yes. you so uncomfortable. Okay. So I put that interview in one of my classes. Oh, did you? I did because that at the time I was teaching the class where they had to do interviews mm. and I used it as inspiration, you know, and I told them, 
don't be afraid to be uncomfortable. Don't be afraid to get creative. You know, get creative, whether it be to jump on Zoom or to do an audio recording. And I had students sending me some really fun stuff. Good, good. You know, really fun stuff. But I feel like, you know, you you have to give them permission to do that. Otherwise, it's going to be really structured, really based on the questions that you ask them to ask all and a written assignment. They're going to ask if somebody could write the responses to them because they don't want to pick up the phone. I said, pick up the phone, do some cold calling if you have to. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, don't limit yourself to your neighborhood or to your state even. This is, you have full opportunity to call anywhere in the world that you want to. Right. And just see if they're willing to help you. You I know, be, I would be so impressed if, if somebody reached out to somebody in Australia, you know, right. and you know what I'm saying? Because there's a lot of CDI going on in Australia. Yes. So that's one of yes. the things that I would that I if I was, you know, kind of if I, I'm like, I'm kind of reminiscing as a student, I said I should have done that, you know, and and because of the pandemic and utilizing these type of technologies, this is the new thing. This is one of the new skills that your students and new students of any HIT program should also have is the ability to, to have a conversation just like this and get creative and actually uh, feel animated on camera. Because I remember Norma was like, you know, she was just like, Oh my gosh, you know, very, very worried. And I had a, before we hit the record button, I had to reassure her. I said, it's okay. It is. Don't don't worry about it. We're human. And I think the problem is, you know, we have a lot of this social media and YouTube and, you know, people strive for this um, image of perfection. Mm. We don't have to be perfect, you know, and that's, that's truthfully what I like about YouTube because I mean, people are recording in their kitchen and they're just all over the impromptu in the car, you know, nobody's saying I need to have this perfect backdrop. I need to be perfect. I need to do all these things, you know, just very natural, candid conversations. Right. It's okay. And I had a student yesterday who we had this talk because um, I asked her if she wanted to participate in a research project completely voluntarily. And she said, yeah. She said, you know why? Because I'm new to the profession. So it's going to help me um, learn the industry a little bit more. It's going to help me network with people that I probably wouldn't get the opportunity to before graduating. Mm -hmm. She said, so absolutely, I'm in, you know, and I'm thinking that's, that's what we need. That's a good you know? attitude. That's a that's, good attitude. It is. It really is. So I'm hoping we can get more of that. I, I really do. Yeah. I, and I, that's I, what being qualified is about. You know, I don't want people to think that it's solely about earning the credentials because it's not. It's about your attitude. It's about your mindset. It's about your willingness to learn. Um, All of those things combined is what makes you qualified. That's perfect. And we'll kind of end off of that, right? (laughs) (laughs) So let me, let me wrap it up with, uh, I think three questions, right? Okay. And so the first question is, what does the future hold for you? Um, I'm a little unsure. I'm really hoping that um, 
another doctorate? <laughs> no, no, no. I really hope that um, I can strive, me and my team, just strive and grow this business um, and just truly be able to serve, to serve our communities um, and to really help uh, upcoming HIM professionals. You know, I guess it's a business, but I think all of our hearts are in the right place. And um, we all um, want to give back. We, we want to give back. You have it. it Noel Dale is on, on your team, right? Is that, is that she what is. you said? Yeah, okay. she is. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to attest to her. She's great. Every time she's on the <laughs> podcast, she carries. I remember the first time that I, I interviewed her, I felt so much energy. Yes. Just, just speaking to her. And can you imagine just kind of interacting with her and then her interacting with clients, just the, the amount of energy that just exudes once, yes. the, once the camera is on, like it's on, like you, you feel it. <laughs> and so I, I'm glad you have her on there. That's great. I, I know the last time she, I talked to her, she had a lot on her plate. She was doing something with YouTube uh, and she tried something, but I'm glad that she's, she's with you and the qualified. Uh, yeah, the next yeah. question I have is going through all of the, I guess, points in your career, uh, being, you know, coming from New York, uh, being a, you know, being managers from different positions or different companies, and now being an academic chair for a college and now uh, being part of the qualified, how would you compare yourself now to when you first started HIM? Oh, oh, that's, oh, I don't know. (laughs) Um, I feel like I am a very, I'm a different person Mm -hmm. in a way, in a way, but I think I've just grown so much, um, a lot more structure, a lot more discipline, um, a lot more accountability, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, I'm just different in that way. But it's wonderful. It's wonderful to be able to look back on the journey. Um, I truthfully don't think that there would be anything that I would do differently. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. And the last question is, what best words of advice could you give to our audience? Oh, man. Um, okay, wh- who do you, who makes up your audience? What the primary. Okay. We can, primary. We can, add, we can edit this out. We can, add, we can edit this out. But uh, who makes up my audience are mm-hmm. our current professionals. Okay. Um, uh, the age range mostly in the thirty to forty. Okay. <laughs> you know, All right. So, no, that, that's good. But, but the idea, I think, they're, okay. they're current professionals now. We have some students. Okay. But a majority of them are are current professionals in the field who okay. listen to this podcast and also watch the YouTube channel. Wow. Okay. So I think my advice would be to just be yourself, to always be yourself, to continue to strive um, for, I don't want to say your version of success, but for what warms your heart, what makes you happy. Um, I think that's really important. Always be, uh, continue to have an open mind and to... to grow, to want to grow, um, to always enhancing your education, your professional development, um, and to just learning more. I mean, I, I don't ever think that we get to that point where we know everything. 
right? Um, so don't ever feel like you know everything or you, you're too old to learn something new. Um, so that would be my words of advice. So there you have it. That concludes my interview with Kenja Sabri. Kenja, thank you for being on the podcast. You could check out Dr. Sabri on LinkedIn. Also, please check out our website for The Qualified by going to www.the-qualified.com. MedicalCodingGeek.com